Sony. Good afternoon, Canada. Today's date is May 2nd, 2021. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense. 45 minutes of completely unscripted, unedited, and sometimes unhinged commentary on Canada's issues. It's Tony here in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. How are you? How are you, my man? Good. How are you? Well, I'm a little testy, and we've got a lot of content that's going to make you testy as well. Yeah, so I hear. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's get right into it on the show today. Why does Harjit Sajan still have a job? Why does Lisa Raitt not have a job? Vaccine confusion... Bill C-10 amendments, and more coming down the pipe, and more. Where do you want to start, sir? Well, I want to start with why Minister Sajan still has a job. Because he, he, I mean, this whole whole thing with... uh, General Vance and the uh, uh, allegations of sexual uh, harassment and improprieties um, has really opened a lot of people's eyes because, I mean, overall, I think people have a really good um, opinion of Minister Sejan. I mean, aside from, oh, I don't know, lying about his uh, involvement in the uh, uh, in the uh, raids that found um, Bin, Laden. Know, Bin Laden. Um, he's been fairly solid. I think we can both agree on that. Um, Relatively, yeah. He's been a fairly solid minister, which in the uh, Trudeau cabinet is, well, almost unheard of. <laughs> so he's Sad uh, but true. I think overall Canadians have a generally, you know, good opinion of him. But we're finding out some some things that I think most Canadians, if they gave a damn, would would be like what how 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 does this guy still have a job how is he still the minister i mean him along with oh i don't know the prime minister i don't know how he still has a job i don't know how Catherine mckenna still has a job i don't know how half of these ministers have a job still yep and guess what canada it's just going to get worse from here (laughs) yeah well i mean because we're finding out that Minister Sajan, he's known for how long? Two years? Three years? Three years. Three years about these allegations. And in that time, they gave Vance an extension on his contract and a raise. And when they got called out on it, they blamed Harper. Of course they did. It's always Harper's fault. Harper is literally Hitler after all. Yeah, everything's Harper's fault. 
everything is Harper's fault. Even though Harper has not been in power for more than, well, for six years. Yep, that's correct. So we'll step back to March 2018. That was when the complaint was first reported by Gary Walburn, who at that time was the military ombudsman. And I think most of you, in, most of us in Canada have heard this part of the story already, is Mr. Walburn told Mr. Sajan, Minister Sajan, that he had this complaint of sexual impropriety by General Vance, and he reached into his pocket to pull up, to show the evidence to Minister Sajan. Minister Sajan, at that point in time, pushed himself away from the table and said, I don't want to see this. Now, what some Canadians might not know is after that point, Mr. Sajan, when questioned on that, claimed he knew nothing about any report of sexual impropriety. And he all he said said that he told Gary Walburn that he needed to re report any complaints to the proper authorities, which I kind of assumed he was doing by going to the minister. But I digress. So Mr. Sajan lied. He lied by saying he did not know anything about sexual impropriety. Who else lied, Lewis? Sajan's boss, in March of 2018, claimed he knew nothing about these allegations. Katie Telford, the Prime Minister's Chief of Staff, claimed she knew nothing about these allegations. Yet, bureaucratic emails from the time, and this was uh, thanks to an access to information request from Blacklock reporters, Bureaucratic emails passing back and forth in regards to this complaint, discussing this complaint, referred to the complaint as a sexual harassment complaint. You still think nobody knew about it? Yeah, I don't know how anybody can possibly believe these three when they say they didn't know anything about it. I mean, yeah, it, and now it, the Liberals on the Defense Committee are filibustering because they don't want to call Katie Telford to, to testify and they want to shut things down. Yeah, which is which is totally par for the course on every single committee that's investigating anything that has to do with this government. Yeah, that, that's like their, their that's their go to. Yeah, their go to is to filibuster. I mean, what was it during the. Uh, during the uh, the one committee hearing, um, one of the liberal ministers on the committee read the telephone book. Oh, that was one of the committees that do with the We Charity. I can't remember which. If it was finance or if it was ethics, yeah, I, but I think I think it was I think it was uh, finance or yeah, it was either. Yeah, I, I believe it was finance. Um, yeah, the minister, the, the liberal minister, just or not minister, but um, MP, sat there and read the telephone book to filibuster the investigation. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. And what was an interesting side note is, uh, I can't remember which, which um, media outlet released this opinion, but it said... March 2018th, the complaint was launched against General Vance, and Justin Trudeau did his best to sweep it under the rug. What happened in May 2018 was the allegation of the Kokanee Group story broke in the news. 
So I wonder yeah. why Justin Trudeau was trying to hide the General Vance thing. Yeah, because if he had, if he had to fire General Vance, he'd have to fire himself. Though yep. he has he has fired other people for these things, and then when the uh, you know when the Kokanee Groper uh, allegations came out, he um, he was like Teflon Justin. I mean, I, I don't understand. Nothing sticks to this guy. Nothing. I mean, he has he has done far worse things and far more things than any prime minister that I can remember. And yet nothing sticks. And it's not like he's otherwise a good uh, prime minister because he's not. I mean, he has got to be the dumbest prime minister we've ever had. And I'm not saying that just because I don't like him. It's true. He, the guy d- is dumb. And yet, and he has done nothing good for this country. Nothing. Not one thing he has done has been good. And yet, people keep supporting him. Oh, because he legalized Ooh. pot. That's got to wear off sooner or later, doesn't it? <laughs> well, you would hope so, but I—I I mean, I got, I got nothing else. Like, I, because, you're right. Because honestly, honestly, he—I mean—they didn't even get that right. They messed—they messed, they messed no. legalizing pot up. I mean, I don't know how yeah. you messed that up, but they did it. They managed to find a way. Yeah. How could you a not make money from selling weed, and b how could you be, not be able to? ensure a supply of weed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know. I mean, it, it's just, it's like we're living in idiocracy. Yeah. And you're going to love to hear this. And for those of you who don't know, that is a movie about basically intelligence being bred out of people, out of, out of Americans. And it's, looking far into the future at how stupid everybody's become. Yeah. Well, many of us are already there. And here's a fun fact that's not so fun. And that I think all of you in Canada should be absolutely outraged about in the Canadian armed forces. And I will always stand by the armed forces, but in the last five years, there have been 591 sexual harassment complaints filed in five years. Wow. Yeah, that's that's, that's three a day. Wow. So, so much not, for... Not, uh, not, so I'm sorry, not, not three a day. Sorry, one every three days. So much for... Uh... Justin Trudeau being a uh, feminist. The feminist prime minister, absolutely. And uh, one of your favorite MPs, Candace Bergen, actually called him out on that in the House of Commons, I believe it was yesterday, may have been the day before, um, suggesting he is not such a feminist after all. And of course, he just deflected and said, oh, this government stands up for, for women entrepreneurs and for women's rights. And it's like, well, you don't stand up for women themselves, do you? And he had, of course, just just deflected and didn't even 
re respond directly to Miss Bergen, of course. No, and he never does because, you know, that would be uh, too dignified. No, exactly. So, Harjit Sajan is, uh, has done what I think is one of the crappiest games that Ottawa politicians can play. And that is he is, I'm not sure if he's actually established a commission, but he's at the very least hinted at that he wants uh, another retired judge to lead up yet one more investigation into harassment in the armed forces. And I hope you're sitting down, Canada. Jagmeet Singh said something that I wholeheartedly agree with. Whoa. Yes, I know. Let that sink in. Jagmeet Singh said there is no need for another inquiry. There is no need for another commission. There is no need for Justice Arbour to begin any kind of commission. We just need to implement the Deschamps report from 2015 that has been sitting on a shelf ever since she was done. And I agree wholeheartedly. We've already done the homework. But instead, Mr. Sajan is trying to kick the can down the road to get past the next election and pretend that he's actually doing something when this homework was done six years ago. Yeah, this is... Uh, it's a hallmark of this government of just not taking responsibility for anything. Oh, wait. Yes, they do. They take responsibility for things that they didn't do. But yeah. they apologize for all kinds of stuff that happened like well before any of them were even born. But they won't take responsibility for things they've actually done. And that and this is just one more prime example of it. Yep, good point. Yeah, so I'm uh I guess I don't know where it's going to go. I sincerely hope that somebody steps up and actually does something because if we just go through and let justice Arbour do yet another commission, it's going to be another five years before, before she's done. Well, she said by 2023, she would be done. So another two years and we'll still be right where we are now. Yeah. And if, and if the uh, current trend uh, keeps going, uh, there'll be another 400 complaints by then. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally insane. I'm sick and tired of this government. Yep. And, oh. it's, and it gets worse. Let's move on to, uh, actually, let's get you checked off first before we start talking about COVID. I, now, I'd mentioned this to you, to Lewis, just before the, we started the show. So he doesn't know the full content of what I'm about to say. And we do this to to each other once in a while, just so we can get a more honest reaction. And um, a subject that's near and dear to your heart, Lewis, and mine, is the firearms issue. Now, a little brief history lesson for, for Canada. In the late 90s, the government of Canada created a long gun registry. Um, uh, sparked by the Ecole Polytechnique massacre. And the Conservatives in the early 2000s campaigned on scrapping said long gun registry, the $2 billion boondoggle. And they did in 2012. So 2012, the gun registry was scrapped and all copies 
all, like all records kept of firearms in Canada were ordered to be destroyed so that the registry would be completely gone. Well, in 2013, Lewis, you'll remember this because this ticked you off back then. In 2013, there was a flood in the town of High River, Alberta, just south of Calgary. And residents were evacuated from their homes. Once residents evacuated, the RCMP came in, broke into a bunch of homes in High River, and grabbed a bunch of guns. Now, most of the firearms owners said, well, how did they even know that these guns existed if the gun registry was had been scrapped? Well, it turns out, uh, we just learned from Brian Lilly for the, from the Toronto Sun, I love Brian, that the RCMP actually kept a copy of the gun registry and shared it with police agencies all across the country. How about that? Are you serious? Unfortunately, I am. Wow. Yep, so that's how they were able to go to High River and say, oh yeah, I know that John Smith has those guns because we still have this thing that we're not supposed to have. The police force that's supposed to be upholding Canadian law deciding to go rogue and just do what they want. That's that's infuriating. Isn't it? I mean, the police, the RCMP are supposed to be like an example of 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 law abidement, like following the law, right? I mean, they're the ones who are enforcing the law, and yet they're breaking it. Yeah, they're and supposed yet, to be the gold standard. And of course, nothing's going to happen because they're, I mean, nobody's going to lose their job over this. Nobody's going to be charged over this. I mean, because that is breaking the law. I mean, it was ordered, records were ordered to be destroyed and they didn't destroy them. I mean, this, and, and, and just so everybody knows, like there is a de facto long gun registry right now, again, because of Justin Trudeau. It's not, a centralized system like the old one, but every firearms, like uh, every gun shop has to keep records of who bought what and when for, I believe it's seven years. No, no, no. It used to be seven years. Mr. Trudeau changed it to 20 years. Ah, yeah, of course. And that, yeah, and of course, with this government, obviously, with his latest gun ban of an order in council, Mr. Trudeau would probably cheered on the RCMP when he heard that news. Oh, of course, he would not have ever have heard that news, of course. He'll hear about it from the media. Well, yeah, because he doesn't hear anything except from, the, from seeing it on the news. That's right. Yeah, because that's how good of a prime minister he is. Yeah. So what I'm, uh, I'm no, actually, that, pissed, that, that, that pisses me right off, man. Like, I, mean, I don't know. It's one of those things where I can't even, I can't even bring myself to get angry and yell, even though I'm furious. It's like, I, I hate to say it, but it's almost like 
I almost would have been surprised had they not done that. <laughs> well, it certainly made me feel really defeated when I heard that because, um, well, I think you said it. I mean, the RCMP are the ones we're supposed to look up to. I mean, they're called upon to go train police officers in developing countries because they've got this great reputation and yet they are, I don't want to use the word corrupt, but what the hell? Yeah. I mean, I just, cause I remember you, you and I both remember when that happened in high river. I mean, we were angry. I mean, you and I were both really upset, really angry about what happened because that was wrong. Like that was straight up wrong what they did. Yeah, it was. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, they took, they even took gun safes out of people's homes. It's like, okay, the town's underwater, but yet somehow you managed to pull a gun safe out of a guy's basement. Yeah. Like I remember thinking, why, why did they even do? Yeah, that's right. I mean, that was that was the thing. Like, they took some, and people had said that there was they had guns that were like up on a mantle, for example, purely as decoration, and they got taken. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. It's really crazy. I can't believe it. I, it just it, that's just that just blows me away. Yeah. Well, it's just more of this dystopian society that we are living in, and it's uh. I hate that we bring this kind of stuff to you every week, Canada. Is this more stuff to depress you? But this is this is the country we're living in now. Yeah. It's, just, it's pathetic. It is. Speaking of pathetic, let's talk about COVID. So we've got the AstraZeneca vaccine. We've got the Pfizer vaccine. We've got the Moderna vaccine. And once they get their act together, we'll get some Johnson & Johnson vaccines. Krista Freeland, our Deputy Prime Minister, Finance Minister, and I believe the gold standard for the most condescending member of the Trudeau government, and that takes a lot of work, just want to make that clear, <laughs> uh, made a statement, and she was actually, Evan Solomon played the clip at the beginning of Power Play two nights ago, where she said that the mRNA vaccines are the superior vaccine. And if Canadians can can wait to get a, a Pfizer or a Moderna vaccine, then they should do that. And then there was a doctor from Health Canada, and I can't remember the lady's name for the life of me now. Um, Evan Solomon played a clip of her just afterward. And she had said that, well, if you're in an area where there's a really high case count and it's you know, really a... Uh, COVID is a really serious problem, then take whatever vaccine you can get. But if you're in an area where COVID is not as serious and you want to wait to get an mRNA vaccine, then maybe you should wait. And of course, our, our Supreme Leader had told us for months, the best vaccine is the first vaccine you can get. So who's right? Well, it's certainly not Justin Trudeau. Even if he is correct, he's not right. No, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> because he just says stupid stuff all the time. But um I mean if you're if if you want a vaccine, I I hate to say it, I agree with Justin Trudeau. It's 
the best vaccine is the first vaccine you can get. Yeah, and actually that's uh, what my wife said too. And I mean, I've mentioned before, she's one of the smartest people I know. And I mean, she's in the medical field as well. And she just said that too. Like she, uh, she got her shot. She got a Pfizer, but she said, hey, if it was AstraZeneca, I would have taken that. And uh, that I believe is what Justin Trudeau and Sophie got as well was the AstraZeneca. Yeah. Okay. Now, well, our... go ahead. Well, I mean, if if Sophie Trudeau is getting the AstraZeneca, then I think everybody should get the AstraZeneca. <laughs> Only if she promises to sing a song. Or to give me a free online yoga class. Hey, there we go. I could go I mean, for that. <laughs> well, you heard about that, right? No, I did not. Oh, yeah. No, Sophie Trudeau, uh, uh, they, um, she, they sent in, the Liberal Party sent an email to all its ministers and all its members, not members, but uh, uh, the, the Liberal Party employees and, and all that. And as a thank you to them for working so hard through COVID, that Sophie Trudeau uh, was going to lead them all in an online yoga class for an hour. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I guess she's bored. <laughs> I, I don't know, but apparently she thinks she's, you know, in such high demand by liberal party insiders that that she needs to lead them through a yoga class. <laughs> oh. Like how how arrogant and conceited can one be? Oh, these ones always constantly move the goalposts for us. Holy, like, oh, thank you so much for all your hard work. And as a reward, I, Sophie Gregoire Trudeau, am going to teach you yoga. (laughs) (laughs) I can just imagine all the Liberal Party employees cheering and, and shouting Yay! Yay! My <laughs> dreams have come true. Yeah, <laughs> shut up, Sophie. No kidding. So, um, yeah. well, we can we can muse one thing though is if possibly the the vaccine doses of AstraZeneca that the Trudeaus took, if they were part of the 1.5 million doses of AstraZeneca that Canada got from the U.S., 1.5 million of those actually failed a quality control test, but Canada said, you know what, we'll take them anyway. How comfortable are you with your AstraZeneca now, Canada? That's how desperate we are to get vaccines in this country. Yeah, we are taking rejected vaccines to shoot into Canadians' arm, Canadian arms, because we can't get any any uh, uh, proper vaccines. That's right. And there was uh, three hundred thousand vaccines or doses of the Johnson and Johnson that actually got withheld because of quality control. So I said, "Great, thank you," uh, but due to that we didn't get those 
Johnson and Johnson vaccines here. So if it wasn't for Pfizer, because Pfizer right now has been the, the workhorse. I mean, they're now shipping 2 million doses a week, I believe. Uh, so if it wasn't for Pfizer, we wouldn't have any. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, how bad did those doses have to be, those 300,000 doses? How bad did they have to be that Canada wouldn't even take them? Well, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. And um, further on the COVID front, uh, take this with a grain of salt when I tell you who the pollster was. But Nick Nanos did a poll. And the results of his poll were, do Canadians support a vaccine passport? The Nanos poll suggests three in four Canadians either strongly support or slightly support domestic vaccine passports for Canadians. Well, Nick Nanos is a liberal pollster, so... Yeah, that's why I said take that with a grain of salt, but still, I don't like that number. No, that's pretty scary, man. I mean, Justin Trudeau right now is promoting a, a, a vaccine passport like he wants a vaccine passport and he is actively seeking out international partners like other countries to join in on his plan for a vaccine passport i mean holy crap who who tony who said a year ago this was going to happen let me think. Hold on. It's coming to me. You did. Yes, I did. Me, the conspiracy theorist who keeps getting proven right. And yet I'm still called a conspiracy theorist, even though all my conspiracy theories have come true. Yep. Yeah, and and I did actually, I saw the headline of that, that he was seeking international partners or support for vaccine passports. And it did actually make me think of you because I just thought, okay, yeah, people called you a nutcase. I mean, they called you a conspiracy theorist and said, oh, that's never going to happen. And now if you believe Nick Nanos, three and four of us are behind the idea. I don't think the numbers are that high, but... That tells me that there, at least there is fairly fairly strong or strong enough support for the idea that we could be in trouble here. Yeah. Yeah, big trouble. Like, so much trouble that uh, one, my cousin actually texted me and he said, stock up on guns and ammo. Yeah, I've actually had a friend of mine in the States say the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah. It's it's scary, man. It's really scary. We're heading down a road that we should not be heading down. Yep, that's right. Speaking of that, amendments will be voted on tomorrow on Bill C-10. Now, I don't even know what the name of the bill is. I know it's Bill C-10. I just know that it is the quashing of free speech bill. Yeah, do you the know what the internet, internet Yeah, the internet's well, I don't know what the actual name is, but the it's it's basically the internet censorship bill. Okay. Um yeah, so there is there was actually pushback from some Canadians and I thought, 
fantastic. Finally, Canadians were standing up for themselves somewhat. And the concern from a lot of Canadians was that the government is going to regulate what we post on our personal social media. And I heard a couple different guests being interviewed on some of the regular talk shows saying that, yeah, actually, your kid's goofy TikTok video would be considered, you know, published content, just like, you know, the, the Power and Politics podcast from CBC. And so a lot of Canadians pushed back and said, well, no, our personal content is not published content. So the Liberal government, and this is the sneaky, devious nature of, well, the government itself. I can't just give Stephen Gilbo credit because he's an idiot. But they've decided that they're going to bring an amendment forward, which is going to exempt our personal posts. But, Canada, the onus for regulating content is going to be on the, the host, the, the Facebooks and Twitters of the world, to police that content themselves. So I look at this amendment, the conspiracy theorist that I am, and say, of course the government's not going to regulate what you post. They're just going to tell Facebook. I don't like that. You have 24 hours to remove it or, I, or we give you a fine. Facebook's going to say, yeah, all right, we'll take it down. We don't care about free speech. We care about not losing money. Yeah. Or am I a conspiracy theorist? Yeah. I mean, this is what's happening in the States right now, too. I mean, like the the federal government can't actively quash free speech. So they have told the, you know, Facebook's Twitter, Instagram, uh, TikTok, all these all these social media uh, outlets and platforms that either they do it or they are going to regulate them. And I think that's what's happening here too. Although the federal government is going to be regulating them in this bill. And so I don't know. I mean, it's, it's pretty scary stuff. I mean, this is, this is communist China. This is communist Russia. This is, uh, you know, North Korea. This is Cuba. This is like Venezuela. It's those countries that they do this. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. And as we always say on the show, but there's more. And I will get to that. There's more right after after this. Also part of. I'm not sure if it was the amendments or part of the original bill itself. I think the original bill itself, because they were already talking about taxing some of these quote unquote big tech companies because now it's, it's worded in, in such a way that they're going to tax them in order to utilize that money to promote Canadian content and encouraging these tech companies to utilize or produce more Canadian content. And I thought Netflix is already filming a lot of their shows actually in your backyard in British Columbia. So I'm thinking Canadian content is already pretty strong. Yeah, Netflix actually um, does do a lot of that. And, and, and also they, they also uh, uh, buy a lot of Canadian TV shows to put on Netflix. Um, I mean, that's where most people watched Shit's Creek. Um, yeah. The, the majority of 
the shows that that are uh, broadcast on CBC and CTV are like the the majority of the Canadian shows that are broadcast on CBC and CTV and the other Canadian specialty channels. Like they're all on Netflix. So I mean, I just they're probably you know talking about Amazon because I mean I, Amazon doesn't really have a lot of that, but they but they do shoot their shows in Canada. Um, yeah, so that's what I was referring to. Like with uh, with Netflix, yeah. they do like um, Virgin River, for example. Come on, I need a season three. I'm hooked on this show, and it's filmed up uh, not far from Whistler, British Columbia. So that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that they're they're filming their shows in Canada. They're using Canadian production crews, Canadian extras. So I'm willing to say that's some pretty strong Canadian content there. Maybe it's not a Canadian yeah. produced show, but I mean, they're certainly using a lot of Canadian employment. Yeah. I also find it kind of funny that they think that Canadians need to be spoon fed TV shows about Canada that, that we can't, you know, uh, make our, make these decisions for ourselves. Like, I mean, yeah. the, vast, the vast majority of Canadian television and Canadian movies uh, are poorly produced. They're poorly acted. They're poorly written because the majority of Canada's good actors, good writers, good producers, good directors, they've all gone to Hollywood. And so the Canadian stuff, like the Canadian shows and movies, that are produced here, that are shot here, that are acted by 100% Canadian casts, they don't tend to be very good. Yeah, there's very, very, very few exceptions to that, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, I don't want to watch these shows, but our government feels that it's necessary to force us to. And, and and, And it's been like that forever. I mean... CanCon has has been there for a long time. I rem- I mean, remember when we were kids? It was like, I think it was like fifty percent of all the music on the radio had to be Canadian content, and I believe it's like thirty five percent now. Like it's it's lower, but it's still thirty five percent. Like it has to be Canadian content. I mean, if you've ever wondered why Justin Bieber and The Weeknd are played so often. That's why. Yeah, that makes sense. So just before we move on to our last topic, I do want to remember I said there's more Canada. And what more is going to come with C10? Well, C10 is going to pass. And then Stephen Gilbo already telegraphed that the online harms bill is going to be next. Lewis, you know what the online harms bill is? Sorry, go ahead. I thought that's what this was. Apparently, it's got to be a separate piece of legislation altogether because, God forbid, they already regulate what you post. Now, if what you post could possibly offend or disagree with the stated government position, you could be canceled for that. I thought that's what this was, though. So I thought that too. But, yep, the online harms bill will be coming. And like you, I thought that this was enough regulation, but apparently it's got to get spelled out for us even more. 
Oh my god. What what third world dictatorship are we living in now? Yep. Not enough yet, hey, Canada. This is scary, man. Like this It is. That gets I'm beyond words. I mean if there's a like a a dark web out there for you know free speech, I wanna know about it. Yeah, well, because, you know, with this online harms bill, and I know why the conservatives are fighting so hard against it, because any negative campaign ad that paints Justin Trudeau in a bad light is going to be considered hate speech and it's going to be canceled. Oh, my God. So speaking of canceled, um, a woman that you and I both admire very much has just been pushed out of her electoral Writing Association in Milton, Ontario, and that would be the incredibly capable and extremely intelligent Lisa Raitt. Yeah, yeah. This is this is very disappointing. I mean, Lisa Lisa Raitt, and as far as I'm concerned, should be leader right now. Yeah, I mean she she should be the Conservative Party leader right now, uh, but. I mean, I, I don't understand. Okay, first of all, I don't understand Conservative Party members because they they didn't vote for her at all in the leadership race, and I don't get it because she could she could easily be the the, the best prime minister this country needs. Uh, but Canadians, like Conservative Party members, didn't even vote for her, and I don't get it. But in her riding, the new, the new uh, riding candidate for the Conservative Party, him and his uh, team, Lisa Rate out in her in her riding, like she is not part of the the riding association anymore. Yeah, and. Um... Just to be clear, Canada, it was the 2017 leadership race where Lisa Raitt ran and uh, had my support, but only myself and about 3%, I think it was, of the Conservative Party voters. And then she helped organize the the 2020 leadership race and convention. And for all her hard work and her dedication to the party, she was an excellent cabinet minister. And her thanks... She gets pushed out of her own electoral association by the new candidate for Milton. And it just makes me question yet again Aaron O'Toole's leadership. He's now rid himself of two uh, former leadership rivals from 2017, that being Derek Sloan and now Lisa Raitt. Maxime Bernier left on his own accord, of course, in uh, 2018 or 19. I can't remember now. I was like 2018. Yeah. So uh, is Aaron O'Toole behind this or is Aaron O'Toole just complicit? I think Aaron O'Toole is, is just a, a, a bystander in this and just isn't, you know, the bystander that stands there with the uh, cell phone camera videotaping the incident, but not doing anything to stop it. I think that's what he's, that's what he's doing right now. Yeah, that that's probably a accurate way to put it. But it's uh, 
it's, it's a sour way to yeah it is it's really disappointing and it's a sad way to end the show in my opinion because i'm such a fan of lisa Ray. and i uh she has said that she still intends to support the party and work for the party i don't really know in what capacity because well her own riding association doesn't want her but she's such a dedicated soldier for this party and this cause and yet they uh they just don't like the party brass is not backing her up. Like, I don't know. I don't get it. I, I, I don't understand what is actually going on with the uh, federal conservative party right now. I, I don't understand what's going on with it because it's not the conservative party that I, um, that I supported in the, in even, even the last election with Andrew Shear. I, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't an Andrew Shear fan, but, uh, but the party stood for conservative values, at least. Uh, this new iteration, um, I'm really not even sure what it stands for because it certainly it certainly hasn't taken very many, if if any, positions on important topics. Yeah, absolutely right. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on with it, and. I mean, Lisa Raitt, for those of you who don't know, Lisa Raitt uh, got married a few, a few years back and her husband developed early onset, uh, was it Alzheimer's or dementia? Yeah, well, a little bit of both. I mean, it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's Alzheimer's, but yeah, dementia, Alzheimer's kind of strain or whatever they want to call it. But yeah, and it, and it, I think I think he started developing it like what back in like 2014 or so. Um, it was it actually wasn't long after their wedding, I think that that he started developing the symptoms. And she has actually released videos uh, online of what it's like to live with someone with uh, Alzheimer's, and it's. It's eye-opening. Like, she is a... Uh, she is a, a quite an amazing woman, in my opinion. And one that deserves to be respected and one that deserves to be heard and, um, and one that deserves to lead. And those videos, if you can find them online... Um, prove that and this writing association just ditching her like this is is extremely disappointing it's really um shameful and the the federal conservative party really needs to to take a look at itself and decide what the hell it's really about because i don't understand what they're about anymore yep uh, well said couldn't agree more. So, uh, again, Canada, we'll wrap this up on a sour note for you, but hopefully we've given you a lot to think about. I do want to say thank you very much to Canada and the world. Episode number 114, Canada's Socialist Revolution, has been our most downloaded show to date. So uh, thank you very much to everybody for tuning in. Yeah, thank you very much. Canada and uh, the world, especially Peru. I, I don't I don't know who's listening to us there, but it's uh, 
enough that it registers. So uh, thank you, Peru. And uh, I believe we are the, the, still the number 15 political podcast in Ecuador. So, uh, oh, fantastic. So, yeah, Latin America, thank you so much for the love. Yeah. I don't understand why you're listening, but thank you. I'm glad. <laughs> we're glad to have you. <laughs> right. And until next week, uh, you'll probably hear another rant or two from each of us. But until then, it's Tony here in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. Good night. Good night, Canada.